O is for openness. <clears throat> and with regards to openness, I'm talking about the openness that is necessary to relate to another human. So <clears throat> I'm going to out myself as as female now. <laughs> I mean, you already knew I was female. I'm guessing. And I'm going to out myself for what we do by default. So by default, we are going to withhold anything vulnerable. And yet, when we're relating to another, whether that be at work or friends or certainly the more risky the proposition, the more, the more we're going to withhold. So certainly in intimate relationships, we're going to withhold the things that, are, that make us feel vulnerable. And those things are generally any appreciation of the other and anything that is our own vulnerability to share. So like what I might want, what I might feel, what I might need. We don't give people the data. Um, <clears throat> and we're not aware. It's not withholding deliberately, maliciously. Most of, for most of us. But it is still withholding. And I think, for me, certainly, it came down to the fact that until... I don't know when I started to realise. I think it was when I was at uni, which I was a mature student. I wasn't a straight-out school student. And we were doing a role-play. Oh, I'm an occupational therapist, so... Um, we were doing a role-play with a client, and we had to act, like, really well as a client in some sort of distress and uh, and it came up in the feedback afterwards that my peers saw me as completely different than how I saw myself and I was like wow and then since then it, you know, it's happened repeatedly 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 it's like people go oh you're really confident you'll just go straight out and be confident in Loads of situations with loads of people. I'm like, yes, but I'm Cancerian. That's not what's happening inside. <laughs> inside, I'm mush. Um, but it's been a real wake-up call to the fact that, <clears throat> particularly if we're like me, and the outside can put up a good persona on, the other isn't going to get to know us without we actually speak our truth. <clears throat> unless they're freaking amazeballs at energy reading. <laughs> um, and most of us have too much of our own stuff to be really good at energy reading. Um, particularly if someone's, like, pulling the wool over their eyes like I would be, <laughs> apparently. Not intentionally, just that's just how I show up in the world. And so it's been a total journey for me the last decade or so of learning to speak my truth. But we have to go back one before that, because in order to speak my truth, I have to know what my truth is. 
And certainly when it comes to relationships and relating, I don't think any of us know. Like, we have been brought up in this culture where feelings in general are bad and wrong. (laughs) We don't know what we need, we don't know what we want, we don't know what we like, we don't know what we desire. We think we do, but oftentimes when it happens, it's not what we wanted. And so... This is where the Wheel of Consent and the Three Minute Game have been so epic for me. With a safe enough other, where you can be yes or no in any moment. And even then, there's an edginess of, if I was a yes and then I say no, or if I'm a no and then I say yes, I will be seen as some sort of flaky, can't, you know, can't commit to anything. Like, you never know where you stand with us, or blah, blah, blah. It's like... Our culture is so set up to um, basically remove consent because consent isn't a one-time yes or no. Consent is in this moment, it's in this moment, it's in this moment, it's in this moment. It's a thread that runs... Sorry, the wheelbarrow's really, really loud today. (laughs) It's a thread that runs through every moment of our lives and we violate our own consent so often even without there being another present. Um, So this sense of openness, sort of, as with everything, as within, so without, it begins with us. Oh, I've lifted the wheelbarrow high and it's not squeaking. Long may that last. It begins with us and us starting to know ourselves. Because (laughs) until that point, how can I possibly... Till I start to get a bit of a... I suppose for me it's a bit of a feeling in my own being when I'm a yes and when I'm a no. And we do a lot of that work in the Wheel of Consent where we sit and go, okay, I hear the question or I hear what's uh, possible or what's happening right now. How do I feel about it? Am I a yes internally or am I a no internally? And it's a real... I think it's one of those ones where it's a lifetime practice and it's, we never stop learning because we're constantly changing just as much as anything else is. So when it comes to relating to another, say in the dating realm or in the um, intimate relationship realm, (laughs) same thing kind of on a continuum, We, we need to be able to know what we think we might like. (laughs) We need to be able to express what we think we might like. We need the other to know that there are no expectations because it's expectations that cause us all to be a bit edgy about things changing. Because when people realise that there are no consequences to something being a yes or a no, to them being a yes or a no to something, everything gets so much easier. And that's certainly true for us in our relationship, in that we try, <laughs> I try, <laughs> he's very good at it anyway, but I'm not so good at it, um, this, the no expectations thing. 
And with that, not only does there need to be no expectations, but there needs to be no consequences. So if I change my mind 15 times about something, there's no consequences to that. And no consequences doesn't mean that me or the other aren't going to have feelings. So we have to be clean enough of the codependency that if I say yes to something and then I say no to something, I get to have... If my internal state was a no, I get to have my experience with, oh, hell, I've just said no when I was a yes a minute ago. I get to have my lived experience, my feelings of that. And he gets to have his feelings about that because he may have been happy that I was a yes and he might not be so happy that I'm a no. But that's where we have to have a neutral space. That's where we have to not be codependently trying to protect the other from their feelings or taking on other people's feelings as our responsibility. And the more invested we are in something, the more we want something to happen or to continue, the harder it is to not do the people-pleasing, to not try and make sure that I'm always pleasing and I'm a yes when he wants a yes and I'm a no when he wants a no. And, and the longer a relationship goes on, the harder it is in some ways to remain aware of that. In the early days, because everything's new, like, it's a kind of constant self-parenting, constant self-parenting, constant self-parenting in order to not have any expectations, in order to not have any... make sure there are no consequences, allow them to have their feelings, allow me to have my feelings, keep the neutral space. It's like, it's constantly, like, conscious. When you get to know someone... The edges start to blur a bit. (laughs) The other is not so much the other as part of me. And we have to remember that we are different. (laughs) And that they don't know what's going on in my head. And they might need to. (laughs) It might help them. Um, So one of the things that does happen for us females is that we do this withholding. Where we don't realise we're withholding anything. But the males need data in order to figure out what's right and what's wrong. And they have been so burnt by the lack of consent in our culture. Just as we have, their burning has been in, it's very difficult for them to initiate for fear of the consequences if they get that wrong. And we are on the other end of that going well, why isn't he making a move? He obviously doesn't like me. Oh, my God, I'm such a piece of shit. Um, Whereas he's on the other end of that going, I really like this person, but I don't take another step because if I take another step, I might overstep and then I'll be in big trouble. Um, And so they've got that, again, even if it's not conscious, there's that subconsciously living in them because of how our culture treats them and us. And so it's a gift to them for us to be able to tell them the data. However, this is the rub here, is that giving them the data from a masculine point of view, they want to know what's the point, what's the problem. We as females, we want to give them the context. So Alison Armstrong talks about it as being the difference between hunters and gatherers. So as a generic idea, the feminine is a gatherer. And we would be telling, we'd be getting back to camp and telling all the other 
females in the camp, all the other gatherers in the camp, that where the best berries are, which bushes, which fields, which ones to avoid, where the poisonous ones are. We're going to give them all the context. Whereas a hunter doesn't want to divulge the plan because if he's going after one deer, he doesn't want anyone else going after the same deer. And from a point of view of when they are hunting, if they're hunting together, they really need to know the nitty-gritty of what's the point and what's the problem. They don't need all the context. <laughs> and so we've got the part of it that is, as humans, we are storytellers. We make sense of our world by telling stories. And we've got the part where the feminine aspect and the masculine aspect are very different in the way we uh, interact verbally. <clears throat> and so from our point of view, we're desperate to give context. But from their point of view, they're just hearing blah, 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 and they're looking for the point. And it's exhausting for them to listen to the whole context. But in early days, when we're first getting to know someone, it's very difficult to, for us to figure out the point we want them to know. So be it around um, what we're feeling, what we're needing, what might help us, how they can help us, what we might like to do, any of that, any of that is, um, is difficult. It's edgy to speak. It, it requires vulnerability. And we tend to, and again, it comes back to being female and the people-pleasing aspect, we tend to want to give all the context so that they understand. <laughs> um, and that can be sort of less than helpful. So this idea of being open and... For me, it's been a, a few years of practising checking into myself, like literally doing a body scan of where I'm at, what do I want in this moment, and then being able to express that in a way that is neutral, in a way that carries no expectation of the other, and, and also, no, not only no expectation, but no judgment of the other. So, no judgment that what they're currently doing is bad or wrong. <laughs> and no expectation that they do something that we would choose. And then, be able to appreciate them when, for what they have gifted. So even, so one of the ways I go about it is that even if, what's currently happening isn't working for me, I will still do an appreciation of something. So I really appreciate that text or the way you communicate with me. However, I would really, it would really work well for me and it would soothe my system if you could, dot, dot, dot. It's like, what, what do people, what does the other person need who doesn't know me at all in order for us to both win. So it always comes back to, for me, 
how do we both win? And I had a really interesting conversation with someone the other day who was in quite a lot of distress. And he was saying, you know, I wish everyone could be happy, but no one can be happy. And then he was very clearly stating, he was quite a young man, he was very clearly stating that, in his opinion, in order for one person to be happy, the other person had to be unhappy, to fail, to be wrong, to be bad, to lose. And I thought that's, that's everything that is sad and um, unhelpful about our culture at the moment, is that it's such a competitive culture that we've grown up with such a competitive culture that we feel that the only way for us as individuals to win is for someone else to lose. And consequences and expectations and all that stuff fall into that, you know. If there's consequences and expectations, then for me to win, the other's going to lose. Um, But actually, I then don't win because nothing gets nearer to the dance of clean relating because that person's then going to carry that bit of a wound, I'm going to carry this bit of a wound and we're going to go carry on this spiral of we're both losing here, how do we get out of it? So when I have in the back of my mind constantly how do we both win, it, is, it allows me to be cleaner with my communication so that even if this person isn't a person who can meet this need in this moment, if I can express it with an appreciation and a possibility, and neutrally enough that they recognise there's no expectation, we can then have a communication as to, right, okay, this is what I want, this is what you want, they're different, how do we make an agreement where we both win? And for me, it's not about compromise. I mean, I don't use the word compromise very often, because to me, a compromise means everybody's losing still. And it's just a semantics of words. But for me, it's like, how do we both win a little bit rather than either one of us feeling like we lost. And it requires communication. It requires neutrality and not getting... um, not feeling attacked when we're not getting what we want. And believe me, I have a big brat. Anyone who knows me will tell you I have a really big brat aspect. And she really hates not getting what she wants. But the deal with her is that she can express that when it's a safe place to do so. But she's not to have a go at whoever it is who's not giving me what I want. (laughs) Because that's not on them. It's not anyone else's job to meet my needs. That's my job. Um, So if someone else is a no to meeting that need... My response to that is, right, okay, if that's a need that I can't meet myself internally, then I ask someone else to meet that need. And I find someone who is capable of meeting that need where it's both a win-win. And I don't carry forward the fact that somebody was a no with me into that my next relating with that person. Because that's the other tricky bit, is that we can be so wounded by a no because it feels like we lost out that it's hard not to bring that into the next relating. There's also the aspect of, I wouldn't want to be with someone who wasn't, didn't want to spend time with me. And I, that's friends, that's relationships, that's everything, right? I 
I'm going to win if the person that I'm with is winning too. And if the other person that I'm with is doing it by, through, what's this word? The word's not with me, but is suffering in order to be with me in whatever context. I'm not winning then either. Which brings me back to what I was saying the other day about no right or wrong and just literally a no. And that I would rather someone was just a clean no to me. And yeah, that can be shitty. It can feel unpleasant when someone gives me a clean no. And I know, other no, that it's important for me because I wouldn't want to be in that situation if someone was a no, because it gets gripey quite quickly if someone's genuinely a no but has ignored their own no. So I'm in full celebration of people's no's, which means even in my long-term relationship, I have to be present to the fact that he can change his mind at any time, just like I can change my mind at any time. If I want to be free and I want him to be free, then we both have to be ready for the fact that whilst we wish to spend the rest of our lives together, if either one of us changes our minds, we're going to be okay and we're going to deal with that in neutrality. Because A, unconditional love doesn't change whether you're in a relationship with that person or not anyway. If it does, it's not unconditional love, it's an attachment wound. (laughs) And we all have plenty of those, uh, speaking from experience. And... I want to, us both to be free to be able to give a yes or a no. And yeah, there are times when my brat's going to make, a, make an entrance because she's not going to be happy with that. But it's about taking full accountability and ownership for that and recognising that consent is a moment-by-moment thing. And I know and it, from the animals that I can still blow through consent. So... These animals now are so deconditioned, they're so undomesticated that they are pretty willing for me to do pretty much whatever I need to do to provide them with care. And there'll be a yes. But I'm still not very good. Once, I've got, once I'm doing the job, see, I'm trimming feet. Once I'm doing the job, I'm not very good at then listening to their no after they've been a yes. And because they aren't able to express it in words and because historically I have come from a position where I have ignored their nose my entire life because that's what we do with domesticated animals, now being in a position where I want to hear that no and I want to be able to respect that no, it's fine if there are no up front, if I come up and go, can I do this? And there are no, I'm like, okay, I'll do someone else. But when I'm in the moment and I'm halfway through the job hearing their no then is quite tricky. So I still know in my own system how difficult it is when a yes becomes a no. Um, And I have to be open to reading that and hearing it, whether that's from an animal or a person. And I have to be open to being able to share it with someone else. So if I'm a no to something, but I go along with it anyway, I know that is disrespecting the other person just as as much as it's disrespecting me. And I know that I have to get better at communicating so that when I speak a no, they recognise that it's coming from a neutral place, it's not an attack on them. If they are still codependent enough that a no triggers them, then 
that's their stuff and I will willingly walk with them through that, but I'm not going to take ownership for something that's not mine if I've been neutral in providing the no. Because no is a gift, just as much as yes is a gift. Um, it doesn't always feel like a gift. But it's also more of a gift to get a no than to just get nothing. Because at least then we have some more context, we have some more information. So the other flip side to that is that if we are uncomfortable giving a no, we may revert back to what I was saying right at the beginning of this about withholding. So we may withhold what we're not enjoying about the situation. We may withhold that we're even not enjoying the situation. We may just be in an act. Uh, and that, again, is disrespecting both of us. But it's also edgy and tricky because it, it, that's how we've been brought up to live this act and to ignore our yeses and our noes and to ignore the yeses and noes of other people around us. So it's like there is the two aspects of there's the withholding side where if we're withholding, how can the other person know? They can't. They can't help us meet our needs if we're withholding information. So we need to be open from that side of it. We need to be able to, A, figure out, go back one step, figure out what is actually true for us and then be able to express it. And we also, so we need to be able to stop withholding and actually give the pertinent information. And we have to be able to, and willing and open to receiving yeses, noes and the information from other people, whether or not it feels comfortable for us. And it's a, big, it's a big ride, because as I say, we, if only we were taught, or if only we were allowed to uh, live consent truly from a young age, we wouldn't have half the problems we have now. Um, but the combination of codependency and lack of consent <laughs> and withholding is a shitstorm for the other person doesn't know who we truly are, they're just guessing. They can't know what we want. We're both likely to lose. You know, there, there isn't a... There isn't, um, there's a good chance that things are going to deteriorate. Like, for me, the things I have to speak to to my partner seem like... Like I'm repeating myself, like I'm... Like I'm both repeating myself and I'm contradicting myself because I can be yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. And I have to reiterate the ways in which I am different to him and the ways in which we can work together in order for us both to win. Because we are each in our own little bubbles. We're seeing the life and everyone else through our own lens and we are seeing our perception of that person, not who that person actually is. And as I say repeatedly, the only person who can see us as we truly are is ourselves. We need to reparent ourselves out of the codependency, out of the trap of withholding. But we can't do that until we're actually truly able to witness ourselves and not seeing a picture of ourselves that is um, a story we've created, which is often, in my opinion, it's often we've created a negative story about ourselves, not necessarily a positive one. Um, but it's not actually accurate. Um, and so there's, there's so much unpicking to do. And openness involves such a lot of vulnerability. It's a vulnerability in accepting a no. It's also a vulnerability in accepting a yes. It's a massive vulnerability in sharing our truth, whether that be a yes or a no, or whether that be 
this is what I need, are you willing and able to provide it? It's all so vulnerable. Uh, and yet it's such a gift to be able to relate more cleanly and to have like relationships where we all know where we stand and it's just relaxing and not tense and not like edgy with the unknown because we are much clearer about, you know, what's going on for us. So on that note, I'm going to leave this here. I'm wishing you a lovely day. Speak soon. Bye-bye.